Hey everybody and welcome to Honest to Pod, the podcast where each week we pick something different to ramble on about. Current events. Personal growth. Stomach issues. And fireworks. <laughs> fireworks? I'm Ashley McAllister. And I'm Matthew Alley. And this is episode 100 and... Hey! Hey! Hey, oh, well, that was on plan. And, <laughs> Can you say 102 in French? Or any other language? Cent de deux. I don't know if it'd be de deux. It'd be cent deux. Cent deux. Probably, yeah. Deux. Cent deux deux. Cent deux, yeah. I used to know all the numbers, like, and I did practice Italian over like last summer, but I can't remember anything. But I used to struggle. Like the numbers in French don't make any sense. Do you remember? Did you learn French in school? Yeah, I can't remember them. No. Well, eighty is twenty-four or something like twenty. It is vingt-quatre or something. Four, no, four twenties. What is it? Four yeah, 20s. something like that. Quatre vingt. Yeah, and you're like, what? How did you get to this? It sounds like old timey, like fucking Game of Thrones. You know, you're one hundred and eleven. Not Game of yeah. Thrones. What do they say in um, Lord of the Rings? 111st. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like so out of, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. And then 420s as 80. Like, who does that? What is that? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so then to go like 96, you've got to say what? 80. Oh, it's 17 because I can remember that. It's 97. So you're saying 420s, 10-7. Sure, surely there's a number <laughs> for 19, 90 in French, no? I think it's... I have no idea. I should have checked this before, but I'm pretty certain it's 80 plus. I'm pretty certain it's 80 plus 17, and 17 is 10 7. It's very Roman. Num- no, it's not actually. Roman numerals are very much like L X X V. Yeah, my mom is so funny. My uh, my nephew was learning Roman numerals, and then she was so excited because she'd never learned them before. So she was helping with his homework. So I came home one day, and she's like, "Matthew, I know Roman numerals." <laughs> <She> said, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, well done." <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like Roman numerals are so interesting, but I don't think that, I, don't, I don't think they're used as much as they should be. Should be, I think they should be used a lot more. I think they're super cool. The only time I remember, but the the, the thing that always confused me was there's two rules for the number four. No, no, there isn't. No, there is, but there's one that's right and one's wrong. Some idiots put four lines and think that's a four when it should be IV. No one does that. I have seen clocks with four strikes. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Yeah, no, that's not it at all. Not at it's all. IV. I can't remember anything after like the tens. To be fair, I don't know what is like twenty or fifty. Twenty well, is just XX. Is what is L? I think that's fifty. So you'd have like for forty, you'd have XL. What is D? One's a thousand. Yeah, I have, zero. D, I think I think D is fifty because it would be like demis. Like I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. mm. You know, really delicious burps. I love delicious burps. Mm. I really. I do. love it when you get like a retaste of that meal you finished two hours ago, thinking, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those onions were good. Yeah, I think so. I, I do love it. I I used to think though that my mum used to like sabotage me because it, if I tell her like I was like 18 or 19 or whatever and I'm going out and stuff she'd and she'd make my dinner I swear to god she used to always make like really stinky curries and stuff so then when I'm out on a night out like I'm just burping everywhere and it stinks and I'm like this happens quite a lot mm. <laughs> she just doesn't want me to have fun when I'm out or something that's what I used to think so I'd be like no dinner thank you <laughs> so I'll starve yeah um no idea I mean there's nothing worse when you have to smell somebody it's, it's nice when you re-smell your own food or re-taste your own food but when you're walking and somebody burps and you're like oh mccoy's beef no thank you oh that's a nice flavor yeah no no but you don't want to smell it off the back of somebody else's breath no i think i hate when people burp in people's faces as a joke like i find it really off-putting it's something that makes me quite angry quite quickly i don't even see it as yeah. a joke what else i hate i hate when people fart under the bed sheets and then waft them up over your face and it smells like egg that's one of my favorite things it's called a Dutch oven, isn't it? I think, yeah, the Dutch oven is when you pull the sheets up and lock the person in. Okay. I love That's doing it just to myself here. I do it when I'm here, just by myself. No, you don't. <laughs> I do, I do a big fart, then I just like lift the sheet and then it'd be like, boom. And I'm like, oh. I love it. I absolutely love it. 
<laughs> and I'm even when I'm by myself, like I lift up my legs as if I'm like getting fucked or something, and then just do the biggest fart. I love it, and just like open up my body and just. I really enjoy farting. I um want to know if you can light farts. I reckon you probably could a little bit, but you'll just burn your bum at the same time. Yeah, that's true. I would never do that. No, don't don't try that at home, kids. So, Matthew, tell me about your week. What's been happening? Same old, same old. Little job hunt here and there. I had an intensive interview, like I said to you before, that went over two days, two hours over two days. And that was that was a lot. Like, she really went into the CV, so that was quite interesting. I made some fried chicken over the weekend, which I'm really excited about. Did you see? Delicious. Honestly, it was so good. So, so good. And I had so much left over that I had to make it for breakfast on Sunday because I had to. I mean, why not? I absolutely had to. But it went down a treat in the Ali household and everybody loved it. I made some coleslaw though that was terrible, really bad. What was wrong with it? I put a whole lemon and a half of juice. Oh, quite watery, I guess. And lemony, like but overly lemony and stuff. Because I made quite mm. a lot. So that was really terrible. But at least we had enough fried chicken to to enjoy. So that was really good because I hadn't made it for a while. And I was just I'm just gonna make it. And it's quite mm. easy. So but yeah, apart from that, I'm getting on the exercise and stuff. But for some reason, I was just mad tired all week. And it wasn't mm. like, I don't, I didn't feel like a, I was telling people and they were like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I don't think it's a mental thing. Like I didn't feel sad or anything. I just felt physically drained, which I guess that just happens, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that today, you know, I had such a good night's sleep. I mean, I just walked up, I bought myself a new little plant for my desk and I came back and I was just like, I could actually nap. I had the most delicious nap yesterday. So good. What makes a good nap? When, because napping is, napping is an art form, right? And I love napping. I do. I really, really enjoy it. And some, but I have a tendency to sleep too long where I wake up and I still feel quite groggy. So yesterday I gave myself a short power nap because I knew I wanted to do some studying. I slept for 45 minutes and one snooze. I woke up so energized. I was like, I'm going to do my studying. I smashed it out so quickly like for me, I did like 500 words in an hour, which is loads for mm. me because I, I average about 1,200 in like a four-hour period. But I was just like, take it, take it, take it, take it. I gave myself a little coffee. So I think a good nap is one that is nice and that makes you feel energized as soon as you wake up, but you get into a full sleep. It's interesting because I read a book during lockdown, the first lockdown, where it was the importance of sleep or something like that. And it said that sleep cycles, every sleep cycle is 90 minutes. So if you're planning your sleep, you should do it in 90 minute blocks, an hour and a half, three hours, four and a half hours, six hours. And that's the way you should plan your sleep, which is fine. But then it, people do say that if they go for a little 45 minutes, because 45, like I think someone says like 45 minutes is a perfect time for a nap. I think there's two, there's different times. There's 40 minutes and there's a two hour one, but you shouldn't do anything in between apparently. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I've, as somebody who rarely naps and if I do nap, it's like accidental. In my, I mean, in my head, I'd be thinking... If I go to sleep now, I'll never sleep tonight. But that being said, I never sleep at night anyway. I did struggle to sleep a little bit, but I still woke up today like pretty good. So I feel like it's like topping up your sleep. Because I'm like, and I, you know, when I was working, I used to finish work quite early. So a nap, I used to have a nap every single day. And because I was mm. exercising a lot of the time. So I follow the NBA and a lot of athletes, professional athletes, time their naps because you know your body, the best healing for your body is sleep. Nothing else in the world is better mm. than sleep itself. So they time their naps and they have naps every single day when they can. So I was like, well, I'm exercising. I'm obviously an elite athlete. I need to nap every single day. So I used to do it every single day for two hours and it was wicked. Uh, I didn't lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I find a picture? What pictures were I looking at the other day? It was us doing volleyball down in brighton do you remember was it Brighton? yeah yeah it's brighton yeah and we look so different you say we look a lot thinner you look a lot thinner but your skin is obviously still flawless thank you i just i've got such a shit shaped head like i'm like all top and no bottom when i was like young and thin so i prefer like the shape of my face now but yeah i don't know i had a weird body shape your head shape is perfect don't ever change it oh i can't unfortunately <laughs> have you seen um oh. bling empire no bling empire is like rich asian people it's, it's like kind of like based on crazy rich asians but it's like right. it's, it's selling sunset vibes you know reality tv on netflix and it's about rich asian people in la and they kept on putting they had one of them had a newborn and they kept on putting one of those head shapers where they like plastic things around there because it helps like your head grow in a specific way that's bad that's bad 
Yeah, I man. guess you know when babies are born, their heads all mush, isn't it? So, mm. but that's bad. Yeah, I think so. And they put that on TV. I'm watching Super Nanny at the minute. <laughs> like old episodes of Super Nanny. No, she's back on American TV. Oh, Super. Yeah, so she's on Channel Four, and it was a season. It started. They obviously, I think they recorded it pre-lockdown. But it came on Channel Four last September, but I think it was aired in the states earlier in the year. So I love Super Nanny. I love Joe Frost. She now lives in America, you know. She what? Now lives in America. She's married. Makes sense. And, More money. Well, she married somebody in America and they moved to California together. I actually really like her. And she's not one of those people that like, she's not like Judge Rinder or something that you just think you're an absolute fucking prick. Like she, I feel like she's really reasonable. Yeah. I, to me, I think Joe Frost, Super Nanny, is logical. It makes sense. And you know what? As somebody who doesn't have kids, I still think there's good life lessons in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. There is, you know, because people do behave. We do behave immaturely. And, you know, other people do as well. You tell it how it is. She's good. She's good. good. I don't know what qualifies her, but she's good. <laughs> she's really good. Apart from that, the only other thing that's exciting about this week is Lena Judy started last night. Do you watch Lane I haven't. Judy? No, I haven't watched it. And I keep talking about like shows I want to watch and Jordan mentioned it. I got 10 minutes into the episode and I was like, no, thank you. But oh, that was me. Yeah. That wasn't the episode. That was me. Last night's episode? No, like a couple, like in first lockdown or something. I watched the first right. episode. Season and it was like, one. Come out. Yeah. Um, I have to say it is brilliant. Like, did you watch The Bodyguard when it was on? Yeah, and I didn't really rate it because that was on at the same time as, was it Killing Eve? No. You remember the two of these big shows that were on at the same time? It was Bodyguard. Yeah. I think it might have been Killing Eve. I'm not sure. It could have been Killing Eve. So they were like kind of compared. And I thought the Bodyguard was so... It was all right, but it was very slow. Really slow. Do you know what? The Bodyguard to me was overrated. It was still good, but overrated. Um, Compared... I didn't watch Killing Eve at the time, but I've watched it since. But Killing Mm. Eve is so much better. Um... But I have to think Line of Duty is everything that Bodyguard isn't. Like, it is, it does, like, it is so good. Uh, like, it just opens, and, oh my God, it's so good. I need to watch. It is. I'm here for it. The season's good. You should love it. It's all about corrupt face. I'm not very good at, like, uh, that's great because we could talk about that today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like crime dramas, but I'm very biased towards, like, British dramas and I'm biased against them. So, because you know me, I'm a trash whore. Like I love Americanized, over the top, no subtlety, and Amer- and British ones are very are so subtle. And and I'm like, what did she say? Wait, what does that mean? I need you to slap it in my face and tell mm. me exactly what's happening. You know, and 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 that's my bias against British dramas. So it takes me a while to want to go and see it, but I do think I should watch Line of Duty. Fair. Line of Duty is very much that it feeds you what you it feeds you what it wants you to know until it wants you to know more. I forget things so easily. This is my problem. Yeah. So it's going to be really difficult. I, that I love things with a flashback because I'm like ah, makes sense. I was watching Bridgerton yesterday, and was awful. Well, I thought I'd carry on with it because everyone's losing their minds. I watched the first four episodes and I was like, I don't think this is that good, but. Everyone loves it. So I was like, okay, I watched it. And I did enjoy yesterday's episode. I will say that. So maybe it just took what a bit ha- to get into it. What happened in yesterday's episode? Have you watched it all? I finished it, yeah. Uh, it was the duel episode. So, right. yeah, the Duke was like, I can't marry you. And then, you know, kissed her. And then they said they were going to have a duel. And I thought that episode was really good. A lot happened. I think my problem with Bridgerton was, I have, no, first of all, I have no clue why people raved about it. I think it's one of those things that came at the right time. Like people always talk about the very first Mamma Mia film, how shit it was. And it was shit. I don't like it at all, which is odd because I love Abba and I love Meryl Streep. But shit film. But it came out just as the credit crunch hit. So everyone was like, oh, we need something happy, not beat. And it just became a box office sensation. Um, same Bridgerton it came in the middle of lockdown at Christmas. And it was just like, oh, we need something campy, fun and like, I was like, that's this. And I'm like, it's shit. Well, the biggest thing was, it wasn't just that. It was like, okay, you know, with all the race things, they were like, you can do a period drama with um, multiple ethnicities 
and still have the same impact, which is true. Like, I think it does prove yeah. that personally. Yeah. Like, and they address race in it kind of, but you don't, you know, because a lot of people say like, you can't have black people in the crown or whatever, you know, or Asian people in this, if you want yeah. it historical. But Bridgerton isn't, I, I accept that for things that are meant to be like accurately done in time. Like, I, I get that. But if like something's you wouldn't, not- you, you wouldn't cast somebody black as Queen Elizabeth in the crown. No, 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 because it's just not, it's just not accurate. But Bridgerton isn't set in a specific, it's not, it's not um, biographical. So by all means no. do that, you know, and. and but the, even, even the, the queen in Bridgerton's black. And yes. She, she would be, I think she must be based off somebody real because it would be King George's, because it's the madness of King George. So it'd be his, his wife. But even that, like, it doesn't, it, to me, that's fine. Like it doesn't, like, I, I think I, I think I'm with you on that. Like the exact same stance. If something's by like supposed to be set accurately in history, then but if it's just a fucking mistake or something that's not fictional and you know it's not relevant to the story, have fun fun with it. Like just... yeah, if it's not intentional, if you're not separating the race divide, or you know we talk about it in movies with Matt, but if it's not there for that intention, then you know be open. But yeah, yeah. It did do. I think it did do well with that with regards to diversity. It did do well. well. Although I was waiting for. Oh, I'm gonna say it. I forget. You're not finished. I have, no, I've only watched four episodes. No. <laughs> but I do love a Shonda Rhimes, right? What I need to understand, right? And we this won't work on the podcast because not many people will see it. But there's something that people do in any Shonda Rhimes thing because they love a dramatic woman, right? They do. Fucking love them. Mm. They do this thing with their neck where they're like, it just expands and then like goes in and expands when they're feeling very stressed when their mouth is closed, and it's like. I can't do it. But you, if you watch, like you're like, how are you doing this? To show sadness in the eyes, they do like a frog-shaped thing with their throat. And I'm like, what are these, what are they teaching these actors? Like, well, maybe it's just actresses, and if they don't have an Adam's apple, then they can do it. Maybe, because it is the strong women, mm-hmm. you know, going through a moment. So maybe. I do like a good Shonda. Although that being said, I've only ever watched Grey's Anatomy. Scandal. How to get away from murder? I didn't watch that. Okay, how to get away with murder? Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah. Well, if we're talking about corrupt police, should we talk about what we want to talk about today? Yeah. What we want to talk about anyway is protests that have happened again we talked about protests last week in light of the vigil for Sarah Everard um, and again there's more protests at the weekend for anti-lockdown protests not only here in London Matt but you would never guess where else had anti-protest anti-lockdown protests the United States probably but yeah. think a little bit closer to the home that never gets mentioned on this podcast in Northern Ireland Oh my God, in our little local beach in Northern Ireland, there was an anti-lockdown protest. It just made sense to talk about it on the podcast. Did you know anyone in Northern Ireland who went to the anti-lockdown protests? Absolutely not. For reals, for reals. For reals, I didn't know anyone there. You should know everyone there. It can't be that big. Well, Northern Ireland is quite big. But the beach, Benoan, is our would be our local beach, but it's very central to a few different areas. So I'm sure it got, got a crowd from different areas. Um, so yeah, we're talking about protests. Now, I realised, just as you said that, there's a few different angles to come at this. Mine was very much looking at the side of things is, is the lockdown necessary and have the government screwed us up for no reason? Um, so mine is anti-government. And yours is probably coming from a anti-police. Well, let's talk about yours first. Right. And kind of in, in terms of that, why they're protesting. And I do want to talk about both why they're protesting, but also just protesting itself. Because obviously one of the protests was about against the new bill that's going to, that has been passed, that mm. will, has many things in it. But one of those is reduce the way that people can protest and give more power to the police. Yeah. Right, okay, so with me, I was thinking along the lines, and I've, I've always struggled with how the government has handled this pandemic. And I think part of that came in my, well, just over a year ago, my 
when they said, oh, don't go out to pubs. And I was like, I'm going out to a pub. My I've defiance. got the episodes. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I seen that come up recently somewhere else. Oh, did you post it recently or something? I think I messaged you about it because you were talking about the the submissions for awards and I was like, oh, that came up. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, I just think the way the government's handled this is absolutely insane. And I was doing a little bit of research into the effectiveness of lockdowns based on the fact of, you know, people are protesting lockdowns. Obviously, the effect on the education, on the economy, on mental health, massive, massive things. And I just, I was doing a little bit of research into how effective are they? So I think, you know, a lot of people would sit here and think that when we came out of lockdown, numbers rose. When we went back into lockdown, numbers declined. Yes. Which on face value... for Christmas. (laughs) On face value, I guess you could say yes. But... At least so funny. On face value, if you look at the facts then maybe there's an argument with the facts. Well, no, if, if, you look, if you look at that on the face, then that might make sense. But, you know, my first question comes from if they knew a second wave, and they knew way back at the start of first lockdown there would always be a second wave, if they knew there was a second wave going to come, which, again, way back then, it was going to be a lot higher than the first wave, why open up lockdown? It makes zero sense to do that. We knew early on that there'd be a second wave. They made a prediction, and they because I, I remember looking at the same pattern for the Spanish flu or whatever went round in the early 1900s, and they had the same dip down and then higher dip. It was predicted if that was the case, why open up? So I don't I don't believe that they made the right decision there. Well, I don't believe they made the right decision in lockdown. So I don't, but I I don't believe what they're saying that oh because we opened up it made a spike. Um, you don't think we should have had a lockdown then for the first one? You said it was better I, not to have lockdown. I, I personally would have handled the lockdown very differently. I wouldn't have locked down the whole economy. And I, well, I, don't, I don't want to get into a tangent about what I think, what, you know, because obviously I don't know for sure. But in my head, I don't think shutting up everyone who keeps the economy running and schools and stuff is the way forward. I think there's definitely things that need to be controlled a bit more. But I don't think a full lockdown would ever be necessary. And then when I did some research, I found that there was a study, basically there was a, there was a, a report posted in a, a, a publication called Nature on the 8th of June, 2020. And they said that a lockdown was the only way to control the spread of the virus other than a vaccine. And that by locking down the 11 European countries, it saved 3 million lives. And I think that 3 million lives is a fact that people throw around governments are thrown around because of lockdown we would see three million lives which has never really been proven it's just a theory because they don't know for sure if that is the case or it's not the case but interestingly enough when this study was being done sweden which was included in the european countries they did not impose a lockdown they did not shut shops did not shut schools the only restriction they had was that people could not gather in numbers higher than 100 so that's interesting to me because Sweden went through the exact same trend with regards to peaks in infection rates and death rates, the exact same peaks and troughs as every other country, respective to their country population. So that was just another bit of evidence that made me think, well, wait a minute, is the lockdown necessary? If they didn't lockdown and they still peaked and troughed, then what was the point in our lockdown? Because then I started thinking, well, obviously lockdowns were effective in places like Australia and New Zealand. And this is where I got a bit confused and where I was thinking, because I guess lockdowns did help there. I would argue lockdowns, I'm not saying lockdowns aren't effective. I'm saying they're not the only way to be effective. So in Australia and New Zealand, lockdowns happen very early and they're able to control it. In the UK, lockdown happened later and it was a shitstorm. And the, and the reason why I also think uh, is different, d- different things need to be considered with regards to separate countries. We can't compare ourselves to Australia and New Zealand because there's different things going on, different climates, different population sizes, different whatever. All these different Who are you supposed to compare yourself to? What, sorry? Who would we compare, be compared to then if we can't compare ourselves to other countries, including in particular other islands? Well... What I mean by that is 
it's okay for me to say uh, lockdowns were effective in Australia and New Zealand. So they should be effective here. It's, but I'm saying there's other factors as well that should be considered. It's not just a, we don't know for sure if lockdown was the only reason that that all, that all sort of didn't happen over there. It could be the fact that it's hot all the time or do you know what I mean? There's different factors that we don't know. But I'm confused about what you're saying. I don't know if you're saying people can, I don't, I think everyone can process if they want to process then it's fine as long as it's peaceful. But are you saying that the government handled the coronavirus incorrectly or that lockdowns shouldn't have happened? I don't think lockdowns to the extent that we've been locked down should have happened. I mean, the argument is that they should have been firmer, to be fair. Why? There's no evidence to say that lockdowns have had any effect on the death rate or infection rate. I think it shows like how the government have handled it have not been very well and that the fact that we were inconsistent going in and out and we did it too late, that we have a higher death toll than most countries considering the number of people we have and that are infected. We can't put that down solely to whether we were locked down or not. I think we, we could put have... it down to our culture in this country and the fact that we don't want to be told what to do because we're not a dictatorship. There's definitely things that we could have done earlier to stop the spread so high. To me, I'd be very interested to have a report at the end of all this to understand what the cost and what the effect of of this lockdown was because if we have a, a, a if we have a population that has a, a, a very overly older generation then obviously it's going to be a lot more impacted like that was the same as why Italy peaked so early because it's a very old country a lot of people there are old and it's the same as us like there's so many different factors to consider another thing that was very interesting is in Denmark there's a province in Denmark called North Jutland and it has 11 different districts out of the 11 districts Seven of them enforced a lockdown and four did not. But again, the rate of death and infection was the same for all 11 districts. There was no separation of infection. The people in the four open districts did not have a larger number of infections and deaths. It was exactly on trend with the rest of the whole district. I think I'm confused because I don't know if you're saying we shouldn't have had a lockdown. Or the people that are protesting are correct in your view about why they're protesting. Because the same people that are protesting now, for those, are also the ones that believe that the coronavirus is a hoax? Well, I don't think the coronavirus is a hoax. But all I'm saying is I'm anti-lockdown. I don't think the lockdown is effective. I think it's costing this country more than what it's giving. I think that if we hadn't a lockdown, I'm not saying we shouldn't have changed everything. I definitely think there should be things that, you know, we should have restricted definitely going out as much as like large gatherings of hundreds of people. Like that shouldn't have been happening. Sporting events shouldn't have happened. Like large things like that. Large, large gatherings of people, I think is definitely a no, no, but I, I think shutting down a whole economy, stopping people going to work, stopping shops opening, stopping kids go to school, um, restricting people to only be allowed to go outside to get food and to get for 30 minutes of exercise. I think these are, these are things that have a drastic effect on people's health. And I think the severity of our lockdown, in my opinion, does not, it, it does not weigh up what it's cost us. Mm. I mean, there are arguments for that anyway, because, you know, the way that this has affected our country and the people that are dying from it and, you know, percentage wise, people think that the death rate doesn't, the percentage of people that are dying in comparison to the people that contract the virus and then in relation to the number of people that actually get the virus, and um, it's quite low. It's quite a low mm. number and it still sits with a number of people that were already at risk and you know potentially may have died mm. under different circumstances. So it has like a huge, huge impact. And I don't know if it outweighs, if it was warranted based on the, you know, how much it's cost, but I don't know. I, I can't, I don't know if I can agree with the fact that we shouldn't have had a lockdown. I can agree. I would say that we should have had one earlier and more severe because Things may have not changed in this country, but then I don't know if you felt the same way, but I'd say for people like in our generation, a lot of people didn't take it very seriously, um, including myself in certain areas. I mean, I took it quite seriously more than a lot of people, to be fair. But mm. if I went to a park, I would still see 10, 15, 20, 30 people congregating over the summer or, you know, in the spring when it was locked down. And so regardless of whether it's lockdown or not, it's the behaviors that we um, exhibit. And I don't know if we were following those. You see families and, you know, kids playing in parks and that's how it spreads really. So. Yeah. I think with me, the, 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 the whole gripe comes from, I do agree. I think we locked down, we locked down, we, we put motions in effect far too late than what we should have. And I don't think, I, I definitely think early on, 
we should have stopped travel to and from very quickly. So that means that the freedom within that country should be a bit more relaxed because as long as we're containing what's in here and, you know, I guess it's, if, if somebody tests positive, they self-isolate. I think that makes sense. But I think they, you know, there's, we could, we could go back and forth on what we think should have been, shouldn't be done. But I, I definitely think that the company have not, uh, the government have not handled this very well. I, I definitely would not have shut down schools. I would not have shut down shops. I would have kept the economy going. I would have definitely protected those who were on paper high risk and, you know, set up, you know, we, the company, co- the country has spent a fortune on furlough schemes, which essentially might not have been needed if we could keep the co- economy going, but use that money to support those who are at high risk or people who need it in other areas. For example, if it's childcare for people who are essential workers, then that those are things that money I think should be spent on, but to shut down a whole, whole country for like an example was we shut down Northern Ireland the same time London shut down on this time last year. And Northern Ireland had no reported coronavirus things, but it had to go in lockdown because UK John Boris said let's lock down everywhere. It made no sense for people in my hometown in Livadi to shut up shop and lose out on business when there was nothing happening there. And it only came started getting prevalent there when he decided to open things up again. Mm. When, he, when he was like, oh, actually, we've been locked down. Let's go out, spend, what was it? Help out to eat out, eat out to help out. And that was the time when it started to get bad in the sticks. And it's like, this makes zero sense. I'm just, I'm less likely. I guess I haven't looked at the facts in that respect. Um, and in my head, I've taken like New Zealand as an example of something that was done well because they locked down early. But because I don't necessarily agree with, you know, a large portion of the people that go to those protests and think that the reason why we shouldn't have locked down is the coronavirus is a hoax, then it doesn't lend to me thinking, okay, but then also lockdown shouldn't have happened. They believe lockdown shouldn't happen because it's a, it's a violation of your civil rights based on something that they don't even believe is true. Mm. Not because they feel like, oh, the coronavirus is there, but we're going to handle it differently purely because they're like, well, the Rona isn't there. The government want to control our minds and our souls and our body. And, you know, this is not a dictatorship and it's true. It's not a dictatorship, but well, that, that's why I wanted to make extra because I, when I was going through this in my head, I, I was thinking, "Fuck, did I sound like one of these conspiracy theorists?" Yes, yes, is the answer. It's a question, and I don't think I do because I do believe <laughs> that the coronavirus is real. I just, I'm absolutely appalled by the government's handling of it. And the more, but you I think we it, should have just like been around while the coronavirus is, so we should have still been able to go to work and the jobs, and have shops open and be in those spaces. I think so, yeah, because in other countries where they did that, they had the exact same death rate and infection rate imagine going to heaven or xxl in the middle of the pandemic i i did say like no large gatherings of people i did say like going out clubbing and sporting events i did say those things make sense not to happen okay but like for example us meeting and having a board game night is not something that should have been stopped people going out for you know i still think people should be able to go out to restaurants yes maybe have it a bit more controlled like we did during eat out to help out um but to me, there's this, this severity of lockdown just makes zero sense. And there's three more fucking months of it, Matt. Yeah, I'm definitely over it. I've been over it since the beginning of this year. But it's been difficult because it's been so inconsistent. I think our inconsistency has meant that we've handled it poorly. And th- this year is the only time we've had a clear plan. It's been relatively laid out. It seems like it's actually thought through, whereas it didn't feel that way. You know, even over Christmas, I think a lot of people were down over this year in January because Christmas was so poorly handled. That being said, I do believe in the lockdown, I guess, because maybe because of what I've been told. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I definitely got some slack this time last year whenever there was like, don't go to the pubs. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the pub. And that, that wasn't me being defiant. It was me saying the government can't sit and tell people to not go to the pubs or not go do this, not go to theatres if they don't have a plan. And, like those are companies. That- I mean, yeah, I lost my job over the fact that people couldn't go to restaurants and eat. So, yeah. Oh, exactly. Look at you. Mm. It's not frustrating to think that it might have all been unnecessary. That's not frustrating because I don't think it was unnecessary. But the thing I think it might be necessary is it could have been avoidable if we'd gone into lockdown sooner and then it wouldn't have been for so long. And then maybe I wouldn't have like lost my job. But once we'd gone into the idea about a second lockdown, not the first one, that's when I was put, well, not really, actually. They decided to do it quite early on because they're quite, they decided they don't want to put people on furlough, even though they could. That's what Mm. I'm upset about. 
that, yeah. that's bad yeah just to choose not to put people on the furlough for no reason apart from they don't want to that's bad but then it's not their fault because furlough gets them being like we're going to end it then like people put a risk of redundancy and then they were like oh actually no no we're gonna extend it and then the people that put a risk they're like oh well it's an extra admin to just reverse that apparently so they're like no we're not gonna do it now we've already said it well yeah i mean i think the, the furlough thing of your example is bad because yes they kept changing it but then when they changed it for the last time they said if you've been on books before this date and you were so you'd still qualified for it mm. which is just it's really bad and it makes me think differently about companies do that like we talked about it last week it's Witherspoons, like, like big companies like that, chains, multi-chains like that, that don't look after the staff in the time of needs mm. is disgusting. Personally, like, I don't have a problem with protesting in general because I don't necessarily believe in the anti-lockdown people's protest. It's not a cause that I believe in, but I think they're well within their right to go and do it. Um, you don't hear necessary news that this is going to be the cause of another spike, though, like it had been with other protests. It's interesting that we've had, what, three protests in the past week, really? Yeah. Mad. And it's I, I think a lot of it is in response to this, you know, anti-crime prevention bill. I always forget the names. It's quite long. But just on that, was there not actually a report released after the BLM protest last year saying that it had zero effect on the increase of infection? I don't remember, but I don't think that was the narrative that was going to be pushed out, that it was going to have an impact when people were there really, really safe. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that did happen because people, when I went to it, and I can't speak for everyone, but people were really, really respectful and, you know, the space wasn't necessarily there, but people were facing the same way and they had their masks on. No one there that I saw with the thousands of people didn't have masks and you didn't see that. And it's mm. interesting that the people that were causing a lot of trouble in those protests were the far right that were against what BLM was standing for. And it's just interesting to me that in those kind of protests, far right who don't believe in Black Lives Matter decide to go there and like throw up their arms and stuff. But when the far right or the right and the people that don't believe in the lockdown go and protest, you don't hear anything about the left going in and causing disruption, just allowing them to do it, which I think is one thing. I want to talk about the protests. It's actually interesting because this is the first time that I felt quite a lot of um, sympathy for the police. I know we said corrupt police and I do think they don't have the training and the skills to handle what they need to. But if you've seen what's happened with like in Bristol and on Saturday, especially Bristol, like from what's coming out, it's really bad, actually. I think when you start throwing things at police officers and start engaging in them, if the police are handling it incorrectly and then you bite back and fight back physically I still think mm -hmm. you're at the wrong because it is your response you can't just say well they did this to me because a lot of people said the police are inciting a lot of um the aggravation which I believe I believe that that can be a thing because they'll go in and they'll shove people and they'll do that but then if your response start throwing things um and attacking them that's really bad and they set a van on fire a police van was set on fire and like a whole bunch of them were like oh my god I can't think of the words not destroyed but they were like harmed and you know they're breaking like vans one person had a collapsed lung one police officer another one had a broken arm Like they're really really going in and attacking these police officers in the middle of it um mm. there's been no reports yet of if any of the actual protesters or people around there have been injured as well it's been the police but this is one where i think it's gone a step too far because i think people should protest and i do believe that the right to protest with this bill it reduces the amount that you can protest and it gives the police more power and it's in response mostly to extinction rebellion do you remember them in london were you in London then? No, I don't think so. This is in 2019. So Extinction Rebellion are like a climate change-led organization. And they only started in 2018. And in London, they had set up camp in a bunch of places that were very, very important. So in Trafalgar Square, Oxford Circus, Leicester Square, Covent Garden. And they basically just made these... They blocked all of the streets and set up camp for days, right? Mm -hmm. So they were in the road. Imagine Oxford Circus, that big cross... There was this mm. massive boat in the middle of there, people lying out everywhere. They glued themselves to the floor and to bus stations and chained themselves to these things. And then they traveled around all of London and it was a huge disruption, massive. Mm. But they're nonviolence. They're nonviolent, peaceful protests. So they weren't attacking the police or attacking anyone, but they disrupted London badly. So in response mm. to that, this is one of the things that will the government wanted to do, which is to bring in a bill that said, okay, well, we can give... The police the right to remove them based on the fact that they can then gauge how big a disruption it is 
but it really upset him because like with the bill in Bristol and the anti um, lockdown people on Saturday, when a lot of attacks have happened to the police, I think there's a big difference between like, and it, things have trickle down effects, but in Black Lives Matter, people feel like they're fighting for people's lives. Mm. If you don't believe in lockdown, you're not fighting for your human rights to live or to not die, not to be attacked. You're saying, I don't want to protect others is, is kind of what I see it as because the whole lockdown is to protect others. You not wanting to do that. If you, you being free may affect or hurt someone else. You being in lockdown doesn't, it doesn't kill you directly, I guess, in a way. Maybe it does mental health wise and people are doing suicide. Um, but it's just really upsetting that on these protests, this is the example that we get set. And I actually felt, felt really bad for the police for once. I was like, oh. The way I look at the police is like, I have a, I have a very different opinion of the police than you. And I, 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 I'm not saying they do everything perfectly. And I 100%, obviously that's the case, looking at what's happened in the last year alone. But people who join the police force are, I'm sure they go in there thinking they're doing it for their, for their country. They're doing a service for the people. There's going to be a handful in there who are cunts, hateful people who hate people for whatever reason. At the same time, there's going to be people there who just love and just want to do their job and keep people safe. I think it's horrible to tarnish a whole group of people by saying they're all like that. And so when it comes to violence against the police, and I'm coming from a place where in a country that was prevalent for years and years and years, you're talking about like um, how bad it is to see a, a police truck set on fire. That happened every single day back home in the troubles. Like that happens. Like the police are out there trying to keep. Not all the police. Some people are corrupt, and that's fine. And well, fine. But, but I can accept it, and I can accept why people focus on that. But I, I agree. I think the police have a hard job, and I think because I was thinking it during obviously what happened last week at the Sarah Everard vigil is given what happened to Sarah Everard, who murdered her, allegedly, I don't know if it's been proven yet, but allegedly murdered her. The police should have gone into that situation very differently than let's go in and be violent against these women, given mm -hmm. that these people are here protesting. So if we go in and be, be police being violent against women, it feeds into a narrative that they're here to, you know, they should have gone in a lot smarter and obviously that escalated really badly and the outcome was terrible. But there are instances where I do think police need to be effective and forceful. And at the end of the day, police are doing their job and their job is to uphold the law. And if people are breaking the law as it stands, then those people need to be held accountable, in my opinion. That's difficult, especially with these protests, because... People might be breaking the law, but there's an argument to say that these things are going to happen. So it's their duty to protect everybody, including themselves and the people that are protesting, arguably. It's not to necessarily enforce the law in its entirety, but to protect the people that they serve. And if there's no... If they see people and then they're saying this is a break in the law, which it's saying that protests isn't an exemption in the current climate about where you can gather into big groups or not. And there's cries that maybe protests should be an exemption and then they can facilitate that and allow peaceful protests. That's going to happen already. You'd be like, well, why don't they do that? Because this is causing more backlash on them. I do believe in a lot of these situations that they do incite it. So they're the instigator. I do believe that. But then uh, people bringing fireworks to the protest. So I don't know if you're bringing those for something else apart from to cause havoc, but mm. you know, that might be in response. You may have not done it. They may have done it first, but the police should be trained. Obviously you said this to be able to handle these situations better. Their directive is currently stands is to, you know, enforce the law, as you say, as opposed to protect people. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think it's one of those things where the laws are overlapping because they are there to protect people, but if the law is that people shouldn't be congregating in large numbers like they are, what are they to do if they're told to go? If they're to, if they're they're told by the person who pays their bills, go and do that, sort that out. Well, that's part of the problem because these individual areas have their like the law just in general. It's all about interpretation, isn't it? So people are mm. interpreting it the way you want to. If their um, constabulary says that they need to go and do this because this is how they interpreted it, then that's what they go and do. The problem is it has this outcome. I mean, how many times can you go into it and think that the outcome is going to be better by you? holding people down you do need to take into consideration the heat of the situation the current climate the reasons why people are doing it and if you're unable to even decide from that and say this is the law it's still your own interpretation it just it 
to me, it just seems unintelligent or not thought out. It seems reactionary, brutish. Mm. But that being said, I was saying, I was actually for the police a moment ago because I was saying, well, people are going there, in Bristol in particular, they were going there and they've let a lot of protesters down. We were just, the reason why they were protesting is for their right to protest and it's peaceful protest. Not protest, the term is peaceful protest. And to go and do that, it really just undermines everything that they stood for and it really lets everybody down. And they yeah. and Pretty Patel, despite the woman that she is and the way that she addresses things, which is wrong, in my opinion, she does say it to a minority of people and they say it's about 500 or 600 people of the 3,000 that were there, which is still quite a high number. People are going to go there and say that the police incited it. They probably did because they're quite aggressive in their behavior. You just don't bring fireworks to somewhere and expect that that's not going to start trouble. It's dangerous. Yeah. I think there's definitely like, I think there's definitely accountability on both sides. I mean, if we look at the way, I mean, I will bring it, we'll use George Floyd as an example. There's ways to arrest people and there's clearly ways not to arrest people. Um, at the end of the day, if your job is to go in and, and arrest person, arrest a person for doing something wrong, then arrest them safely. Like you don't have to do what that police officer did to arrest somebody. So, I mean, that's why, and I think, there's de- and that's why look, we talk about it all the time. They, they definitely need better training to handle situations. But again, as people, like you say, peaceful protests are fine. It's non-peaceful protests that are a problem. But I guess, I guess you know, I think in how, there's no way to know that as much as, we, you know, an organizer may say, we're going to organize a peaceful protest. It just takes one subgroup of that to say, well, actually, why don't we bring down and, and bring fireworks? You know, mm. the intention of the protest is always going to be good. That doesn't mean the police shouldn't be on guard throughout because they have to, be prepared for the worst the whole time yeah i saw like videos of them getting shoved and people just throwing rocks at them and i can imagine getting really really angry and frustrated with that like it, it'll be really difficult to keep your cool in those situations that's where yeah. i was a bit like that's tough that's tough well that's because things are so institutionalized because you said it's not fair to say oh it's all police and no one's saying it's all police but the, the organization as it stands is a certain way and it has run a certain way and so it's not all police you don't go into thinking that but the organization is you know doesn't handle things well are thugs you know like they're they're not able to take into account they can't adapt it's been a year they've been heavily criticized correctly over the past year and scrutinized mm. no changes like it's, it's mad it's mad mm. to me when organizations and big or small are at least trying you know the the royal family are now saying although who knows what's going to happen is that they're going to get a diversity um manager or someone to work as part of the royal family you know in the firm and, you know, places that you work and places that I work and the rugby club, everywhere's trying to adapt and change over the year. But the police, they've got, they've shown no outward way that they're changing in and adapting to what's being said. They have to take into account the perception of them, the skills that they have, the skills that they lack and what need they need to do. It's just, it's, it is, it is beyond me to think. But then that's the thing that police have this like weird sense of like confidence and arrogance that they're protected by themselves. Yeah. So they continue yeah. to put themselves in these positions and it's just going to continue that way like it's mad but i wish the protesters didn't do that in bristol like i really do it's undermined that bill's going to go through now for sure mm. it was going to but that bill's going to happen and then women are going to lose out because there's no protection against women but statues are going to win because now you can go into prison for defacing a statue for 10 years up to 10 years that's crazy right yeah that's what i would say i was disappointed and i actually felt for the police for the first time in a while because i was like god it looks brutal even if they did incite it it does not warrant that response it does mm. not even if it i'm not saying they did or didn't but it doesn't you bring fireworks to somewhere for a reason you know and weapons to throw you bring these things with intention yeah yeah, yeah. oh well it's sad that we don't we can't get into a place where the police can do their job effectively and thoroughly and have the respect that i think they should, you know, people at the end of the day, they're putting their lives at risk. Seems no. firemen. Emer- I think all emergency services should be given a lot more respect than what they get. No, I completely disagree. Okay. No, you earn respect. Hundred percent. I'm not. I'm saying it's sad that we can't get to that place. I'm not saying that they should automatically just be given it. It's sad that we can't get there and that they refuse to, not refuse to, but they make no effort to win that respect back. Yeah, it's a mindset change that it needs to. And I'm not, I wasn't all emergency services, you know, like yeah. firefighters. I know you. I know you. Yeah, I know the you. Police. Know, yeah, the police is very different for you then. Mm. Not for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> in your opinion, I'm not saying it's just you. In your, it is your opinion against the police. 
They're arrogant. They're thugs. I'm, they're not, I'm not saying criminal. they're not. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying they need. To, I just saying they need to work harder, and I look forward to the day where they are better because they need to be better. That's one of those things I don't believe will happen in our lifetime, but I hope we can work towards it for the future. Fingers crossed. Thank you for another episode, Ashley. Matthew, that has been a wonderful episode. Very insightful, very deep. Yeah. I'm nervous about going to a protest again. I've only been to one and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to get to no fights. I don't think I've ever been to one. Be careful. I'll hold your hand. No, I'll go. <laughs> Would you in public? <laughs> um, yeah, please do. I, I would go to another protest. I'd be more cautious now, though, more than ever, actually. Once like, I'd, I'd be interested to see what happens with this change. I don't know when this bill's supposed to come into place, but I'd be more cautious um, now. I don't want to get involved in any violence on either side. I really don't if I were to go to another protest. So I need to be really, really cautious about that. Mm. Stand at the back and be, like, plan your exit. Maybe if I look extra gay... Because I feel like nowadays, like gay people won't get it. If I had like um, sequins on, mm. I won't look like I'm about to harm anyone and, and something like that. Because now you can't be black, you can't be white, you can't be male, you can't be female. Maybe you can be gay, like overly queer. Maybe it's gone. Maybe it's like full full circle, isn't it? Now they see yeah. we seem like the least offensive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you should definitely get those metallic rainbow shorts. You can't arrest someone in short shorts. You can't. Metallic rainbow shiny shorts. You cannot arrest. You can't arrest them. I'm clearly not going to start violence. You're just going to hand out. My legs might start riots though. Oh, Oh. sheesh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Oh, Matthew, what's your plans for the rest of your day? Submissions for the podcast, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's exciting. Very exciting. What's going to do? I'm going to go for a run now. <laughs> As well, because it looks lovely outside. It is beautiful. Like we went for a walk earlier on. But have a lovely day. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And catch us on Thursday. Today's Thursday. So it must be Monday mm-hmm. uh, for our segment, which will be Honest Pod Top 5. Top we'll 5. We'll be ranking. And. Keep an eye out for anything we might put. We're talking about submissions now. We've got a deadline to submit for some awards. So I want you to just put positive energy into the atmosphere and say that we're going to win something. Mm. Positive, positive, positive vibes, everyone. And make sure you like and comment on the podcast. Follow us on Instagram. And yeah, have a great time. Be happy for yourselves. Goodbye. Bye.